Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Today, Matthew 13, verse 44, give us a place to, to start. The Bible says, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field, though which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Remember, the overall concept of the treasure principle is this, is that you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And we've already looked at a few keys. A few of the keys that we've looked at is that God owns everything and that, that we are his money managers, money managers. Second key is that our heart will always go where we put God's money. And then the third key that we had looked at was heaven, not earth, is really our home. That's really our home. And so we're going to continue with this this morning and see how far we get. Amen. Let's pray today. I know we've done praying and praying and pray for Pat. Pray for that, but that's okay. Amen. We need to let my house be a house of prayer, he said. Lord Jesus, God, we're thankful today for your word. Let your word be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. God, that you're able to establish our goings. God, for you know our uprisings and our downsitting and our thought of our off. You acquainted with all of our ways. God, let your word, God, find a place of Lord security, Father, in our lives. And we'll not fail to thank you, Jesus, for what you do in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. <clears throat> and so last week we finished up talking about heaven, not earth being our home. And you could really illustrate our own personal lives uh, with an example of your life here on this earth. Uh, could be likened into a dot, a solitary dot on a piece of paper. That's your life here on earth, a solitary dot right now that we're living. It's brief as a, just a beginning, an ending as it seems very, as almost as soon as it begins, it ends, it seems. Uh, sometimes it is very brief. Uh, I think it was James or one of them that said that life is as but a vapor. It's here today and then it's gone tomorrow. But if we were then to take from that dot and extend a line or a ray that went on indefinitely, then that would be life after your life here on earth that would just be continuous and just continuing and continuing forever and so the fourth principle of the treasure principle is this is that we should live we should not live our lives for the dot but for the line we should not live it for the dot but for the line and uh, giving in many aspects of those different those different areas of our life giving is living for the line because we're not amassing treasures uh, here below amassing treasures just here below would be living for the dot just living for the dot and so we will here's the fact of the matter and this is truth we will part with our monetary goods we will part with our money the question is when it is either our choice to part with it now or if we don't choose that, then we'll definitely part with it later by death. 
So we will part. There will be a separation uh, with our money. The Bible says in Luke 12 and verse 15, which we've read this in some of the weeks gone by, and he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Life isn't just what we possess in a nutshell. At least I hope it isn't. It's so much more than that. Just a few facts. Some of these are a little aged, but nonetheless, just a few facts this morning. Uh, we live in the most affluent society in human history uh, of the known, the known world and known time. American Christians control 70% of the world's Christian wealth. American Christians control so when you think about the world's christian wealth of every nation and country and kind christian people in america control 70 percent of the sum total of the wealth that's all over the world that christianity has that's and that's the reason why everybody wants to come to america right it's this land that seems just to be so prosperous uh, but american christians control 70 percent of that average giving or the, let me back up the average american christian gives 2.6 percent of their income 2.6 percent of their income just to break that down in value, if a person makes $70,000 a year, then they would give $1,820 of their income in a year time. Divided by 52 weeks, that's about $35 a week that they would give, 2.6%. Average giving by adults attending U.S. Protestant churches, this is just average, is about $17 a week, which is $70 a month, $840 a year. 96% of American Christians give away less than 10% of their income. They give away less than 10% of their income. A younger churchgoer, the less he gives, which we know, uh, usually people grow in their advances as far as jobs and opportunities of employment. Uh, you're probably doing a little better now than what you did when you first entered the workforce, uh, however many years ago, and that number changes for some. Uh, but nonetheless, so it's proportional in reality. But 80% of the money given to American church is given by those ages 55 years old and older. 80% of the money given to American churches is given by those of age 55. Who's 55 or older out there this morning? 55 or older. Chris don't want to, he don't want to accept that he's over 55. 55 and older is, is given by 80% 80, 80 of the money given to churches by those in older. So the, 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 the numbers say this then, that within 50 years, $100 trillion will pass from an older generation that no longer will be to a younger generation. Yeah, that's heavy, isn't it? It's really heavy. The average Christian gives one quarter the amount required by one of the three tithes commanded the people of Israel, who, by the way, were mostly poor, who hadn't experienced the transforming grace of Christ, did not have the infilling of the Holy Ghost like you and I do. How is this possible? The average Christian in our churches gives 30% less than the average American gave in the depths of the Great Depression in the 1930s. Whew. That's crazy. 
what does this tell to us? What, what, what needs to change? How does it need to change? Three to five percent of Americans who donate money to a church give, that's three to five percent of Americans who donate money to the church give 10 percent of their incomes, though many claim to do it. I hear Sister Mason in the office. 50 to 80 percent of the world's evangelical wealth is in North America. If the U.S. Christians raise their giving to the Old Testament's starting place of the tithe, which means a tenth, 10%, if they raised it to that, just 50 to 80%, if America Christians, that is, would raise it, an additional $140 billion a year would come available for the work of the Lord in America. Just some statistics. Listen to some of the wealthiest people of their day. This is W.H. Vanderbilt. He says the care of $200 million is enough to kill anyone. He says there is no pleasure in it. John Jacob Astor said, I am the most miserable man on earth. John D. Rockefeller said, I have made millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Andrew Carnegie said, millionaires seldom smile. Henry Ford said, I was happier when I was doing a mechanic's job. <laughs> a study conducted a few years back said six months after winning the lottery, winners were no happier than if paralyzed in a car crash from doing brain studies and MRI things and such like that. So the question is, if God were to audit our finances, I know uh, businesses and even in the organization, we have people that audits the books of, of our uh, different things that we have going to different departments. And if God were to audit our finances, would he conclude from what he could see that we're living for the dot or for the line? What would some of his observations be? Ecclesiastes chapter number five and verse number 12. The Bible says the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Ecclesiastes 5 has a few insightful statements about money. Uh, this one particular basically conveys to us that, as we said before already in this study, that the more that we have, the more you have to worry about, right? Uh, you know, get this time of year and there's things to fix and there's things you got to winterize and there's things you got to do you know there's things on my list at the house that I want to get done Brian before winter comes you know and that's only because I have some things that need maintenance brother trout when we think when we think our own when we think we own our own possessions the fact of the matter usually they own us you know if you're going to go hiking uh, in the woods or on the mountain, uh, the last thing you want to have is a heavy backpack that's filled with a lot of unnecessary things. Right? Anybody that's going to do that type of journey, they're going to tell you, take, take the necessities, take what you need, take, take what might be life-preserving. Don't just take some just because you have some type of personal attachment to it. You want to, take, you want to get rid of the, because pilgrims travel right, light, right? Uh, I mean, usually people that's walking miles and miles along the road and like going from the East Coast to the West Coast, it's not as though they have this huge U-Haul, you know, that they're pulling with their arms. You know, you travel light. And so here's some other statements found in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse number 10. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. 
I know this may seem weird, but the more that you have, the more that you want. Having more will not create of the unsatisfaction that you have. More does not take care of satisfying what you have. The more you, matter of fact, we could even say that the more you have, the less satisfied you are. And probably because you realize you got all this, but you're still not satisfied. So it kind of plunges the guy into the depths of despair and woe. Verse 11, Ecclesiastes 5, when goods increase, they are increased. They are increased that eat them. When goods are increased, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof? Saving the beholding of them with their eyes. All right? And so the more that you have, the more that people will consume it. Even the government. You make more, right? You enter that higher tax bracket. You see it, don't you? In the percentage that is taken away, right? So the more that you have, the more that people will come after it. The more that you have, the more that you realize you do no good. And listen, uh, uh, the cure, the cure for having no money or the cure for bad spending is not more money. Mishandlement of funds is not cured by having more money. You know what that means? That means you have more money to mishandle. I'm just telling you what I've known all my years that growing up and what I've been taught, even whenever it comes to the fact then of giving, time, talent, ability, giving uh, of offerings or even tithing, if you think if when you'll make more money, you'll give, you won't. Because if a person can't tithe or give off for $10, they won't do it over 1000 And that's, that's just a principle of life that we've seen played out in people's lives. We've already looked at verse 12. Let's go to verse 13 of Ecclesiastes 5. There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely, riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. There's a sore evil. This is Solomon the, the, writing these of Ecclesiastes, the wisest man of his time and probably of any time for that matter. Amen. That there's a sore evil which I've seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. Because sometimes what we have is to our hurt. What we do with it, what we don't do with it, how we allow it to control us, how we live our lives by it. Verse 14, but those riches, but those riches perish by evil travail, and he begetteth a son, and there is nothing in his hand. Look, the more you have, the more you have to lose. Huh? The more you have to lose. Verse 15, as he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. Again, the more you have, the more you'll leave behind because you can't take it with you. And so don't, don't necessarily renounce the treasure. Let's just relocate the treasure. A.W. Tozer said it like this. He said, as base a thing as money often is, it yet can be transmuted into everlasting treasure. He said, it can be converted into food for the hungry, clothing for the poor. It can keep a missionary actively winning lost men and women to the light of the gospel and thus transmute itself into heavenly values. Any temporal possession can be turned into everlasting wealth. Whatever is given to Christ is immediately touched with immortality. 
because it's been given to something beyond this temporal life. First Timothy chapter six, verse number 17, the Bible says, Paul's uh, letter to Timothy, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. He says, so admonish them that are rich, amen, to become rich in good works and other things to distribute, willing to communicate a foundation that you're laying against the time to come, which will be the time of no more upon this earth. The fifth key of the treasure principle is this, is that giving is the only antidote to materialism. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. Because God's money has a higher purpose than what we have here on earth. As long as we have something, we tend to believe we own it. Right? But when we give it away, we relinquish control of it, the power of it, the prestige of it, or at least that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be when you, you know, it shouldn't be blackmail. Like you help somebody out and then you always, you, 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 you keep that over their head. Will you remember when I, we don't do it that with the money we return to God either. We don't like give it to the Lord and then complain how it's used. Because when I give it, I've given away. It's his to begin with. Right. Uh, but I don't own it. So a materialistic world will less likely be won by the Lord by a materialistic church. The questions that we got to ask ourselves is my possessions competing with my giving? And if materialism is a disease that's found among me, then what is its cure? Martin Luther said, I have held many things in my hands and I've lost them all. But whatever I've placed in God's hand, he said that we still possess. <laughs> I've lost stuff. People's lost stuff. Amen. But anything we've placed in his hand, it's not lost. Whenever we look at these lessons and we've been now, this is number whatever it is, three, maybe I think uh, number three. And we've went through some of these lessons and you may have been even telling yourself along the way, you know what? Pastor McGee, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to get into that vein of of giving and and uh, separating me from some of my goods for uh, the eternal work of God or the eternal kingdom of God. Just really don't know where to begin. Where's a good place, you know, to begin? And so I'll tell you this morning that a great place to begin is where God had the children of Israel to begin. It's a good place to begin. Leviticus 27 and 20, the Bible said, in all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the land, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. The word tithe basically means a tenth. A tenth. It's a percentage. Ten percent. It's a tenth. There's free will offerings as well that's mentioned throughout the scripture. And uh, that is just that free will offering at your discretion. But he asked, he spoke to them 
concerning the tithe or 10%. That was something that was uh, mandatory uh, that he asked of them. In essence, when we return, when we come to the Lord and we, you call it giving tithes, but we really are returning our tithe and we give our offerings. We're returning our tithe into the Lord and we give our offerings. Proverbs 3 and verse number 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all. Everybody say all. It's a big word, although it's three letters. All thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. I like verse 10. Verse 10 is predicated on verse 9. I like barns busting loose, you know, with plenty and, and so on and so forth for being taken care of. That's predicated on verse number, number nine. Honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase. All thine increase. You get increase in your life, tithe off of it. You get increase in your life, tithe off of it. I was, I was walking the other morning. I was along the edge of the road. There was no houses, no cars, no nothing. I stumbled across... I, and I walk this route every day. But that morning, Stone Cross, so dirty, wadded up $20 bill. Well, there's $2 that went in the plate this morning that was tithe off that $20 I found on the ground. Why? That was, I didn't have that $20 before. That was a $20 increase in my life. Now, you, you, you manage your stuff. Well, you manage it. I get crazy because someone gives me a gift card, $50 value. No different than me if they gave me 50 bucks. That's increase. I tie $5 off of that, give it back to God. Oh, Brother McGee, that's crazy. Listen, it ain't going to hurt me to do that. It's not as though, oh, this could be really bad if I do a tenth off of a gift card. You know what I'm saying? No, give it to the Lord. He keeps very good records. Amen. Birthday money, I did the same stuff. Now, just, just if all of your increase that comes into your life, Give that 10% back to the Lord. Think of it this way. He allows us to keep 90%. He allows us to keep 90%. And so honor the Lord with your substance, the first fruits of all thine increase. And the word first fruits is that first fruit. And that was important in the Old Testament in particular. Whenever you talk about they had to give the firstborn of their bull or of their lamb or the firstborn of their crop, here's what you got to understand particularly when we're talking about giving the firstborn of their lamb or the firstborn of their bull, that's the firstborn. They give that to God. They don't know if that is going to have another lamb or another bull. But in spite of that, they give that first to God, trusting God for whatever happens. Giving is a lot about trust and faith in God. Amen. And so they would give that knowing, not knowing, not knowing the, the end result of those matters. But it was a part of their faith and trust that the same one with this money is the same one with these animals and the same one with this crop and the same one with everything else that I have under my hand or care that are managing. It all belongs unto the Lord. And so there are a variety of ways that we honor God. It's just that giving is one of those ways that we honor God. We honor the Lord with our lifestyle that we see through Scripture. We honor the Lord with our conversation and our speech. We honor him with our time and things like that. 
that. But giving is another aspect, not to be rejected or overlooked, but it's another aspect in which we honor the Lord. We honor him with our substance, particularly the first fruits. Everybody first say first fruits. Again, first fruits, what that means is this. We tithe off our gross and not our net. Your gross income. Before Uncle Sam got a hold of it, before your insurance got a hold of it, before your 401k got a hold of it. Huh? Off your gross. That's your first fruits. Tithe off the first fruits unto the Lord. And so God is first on our giving list. God is first on our giving list. I remember, man, it was so, such a conviction in my spirit whenever even I was younger. Man, and I, we got paid. That was the first check that came out of the checkbook just because it just like I just felt like it needed to be so, you know. Uh, but it was first on my giving list, not last. So I don't like pay everything else and say, oh, if there's any left, I'll return to God this 10%. No, I've given the 10% and then realized I don't know how everything else did get paid. Matter of fact, I checked my math again. How did that happen? God. I don't know. It's just God. And so he's first on our giving list, not the last. Verse 10, again, is the result. The barns being full, them overflowing, plenty, presses, all of that. And I'm a I'm 44-year-old man today. Uh, my parents has taught me this, the word of the Lord uh, for my own reading and stuff and through teaching taught me this. And this has been my life for 44 years. I'm standing here today. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. He's always supplied every need, every need. And sometimes some of my wants. There is a blessing. There's a blessing in giving. If you like sometimes to hear the stories about this one talking about, tell you what I gave that, and I didn't know how it was going to happen, and it happened. If you want to be able to tell that story, then you got to be able to have trust and faith to give it. Amen. There's a blessing in giving. And specifically, it says our barns will be filled with plenty. It'll be, it'll be filled with enough. It'll be filled with enough. Yeah. I don't have a Swiss bank account somewhere, but my needs are taken care of. My needs are taken care of. I don't have really anything to complain about. Malachi chapter three and verse number eight preached on this not long ago. And again, understanding the aspect of this, he's talking about tithes and offerings. He gets into talking about that, but he's again, their sacrifices that they brought into the Lord was their means of worship, right? Their firstborn. That was a means of their worship. That's the reason why sometimes we say, now let's continue to worship the Lord as we give. It is that. It is a means of worship. And so he told them in Malachi 3 and 8, he says, will a man rob God? Because in this setting of scripture is where he talked to him about, you'll bring your blind lamb and you'll be your diseased bull and you'll bring, you know, this and that to the Lord. He says, but you need to bring the best that you got. All right. And this is the way and means in which you worship the Lord. He says, well, a man, he says, then rob God. He says, yet ye have robbed. And listen, this is, I'm not telling you this Malachi, the prophet, this word of God is telling you this. Ye have robbed me, but ye say, wherein have ye robbed thee? Where have you robbed God? In tithes and offerings, he said. You're cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith. Prove who? Prove God. Why? Because the faith, the faith and the trust that it takes in returning to God what is his, right? And living off your 90. 
amen, prove me now there herewith, say the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. He says, just prove me. Just try it. Just try it. Give it a will. Just try. According to these verses, and again, please, I love everybody. I'm just talking here. According to these verses, those who were not giving in their tithes and their offerings, the non-givers were robbers in the eyes of God. Not just that, but they got a curse upon them. A curse upon their lives. And notice, it's not that you're, you're just robbing God. Look at verse 9. You're cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Even this whole nation. Because whenever you talk about the whole kingdom of God, whenever we don't return to him what is rightfully his, then as we looked at some of those early statistics, there is a less amounts to do for and in the kingdom with. More missionaries can be supported and people give. More churches can be started in cities that don't have an apostolic church. When people give. And so it's not just a robbing of God, but even of his whole nation and what it would have the ability to do when we just keep what we say is ours. All right? And so their lack of giving, their lack of giving, their non-existent giving impacted their whole nation of people that they belong to. And so God asked us again, prove me now. Prove me now by bringing your tithes and your offerings into the storehouse, your tithes into the storehouse. And his reaction said would be that I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. Now, folks, that's a blessing. That is a blessing that you wouldn't have room enough to receive. God would do that, yeah, and it doesn't always come by money. It doesn't always come by possessions. I, I've, in my own life, sometimes I think it's come by health. Yeah. Sometimes it just may be a, just a redirection. It comes by so many myriad ways that I can't even, you know, calculate or show proof on paper, but it happens. God is just so good to us. And so there is, there is a segment of society. And where am I at? I'm going on. Okay. There is a segment of society, secular society for that matter, even religious society, that says there's no mention of tithing in the New Testament, which is incorrect. The following verse of scripture, and there's others like it that prove differently, and the rest of our time in this series will be me and the Bible and us, okay? All right. The following verse, Matthew 23 and verse 23, and this is found also in the Gospel of Luke chapter 11. He says, One to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, the matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith, and not, everybody say not, to leave the other undone. When you look in Luke 11, the phrase is mint and rue, and all manner of herbs. And when we look at mint and anise and cumin, all these were herbs. And these were, as you look culturally, they were herbs of little value. But they were tithing 10% off even these herbs that were of little value. They had a certain amount of mint. 10% of that mint was dedicated to God. It wasn't, it, huh? It wasn't an expensive herb. It was a little value but they thought it was important. 
that that $20 they found on the pavement, that little mint of little value, that they return that 10% because it's still increasing their life. And the Lord is telling them, while they're diligent about paying tithe off the smallest spices that come from these, these plants of anise and cumin and so on and so forth, while they do that, they had omitted some weightier matters. He calls them matters of law and judgment and mercy and faith. Now notice, Jesus doesn't say attend to these weighty matters and it's who, big deal about the anise and the mint. That's not what he says. He says these you should have done, you ought to have done all a while not leaving the other undone. In addition to that, in other words, in addition to paying your tithe off your mint and your anise, you should have also gave attention to law and judgment and mercy. So he's not saying that's an either or. He's saying it's a both and. He said your attention to tithing off that small thing, that's not overlooked. That's important. But there's some other things important as well. Amen. So he plainly says not to leave the other, the pain ties off those things of small value. Don't leave that undone. He said, just need some balance. We need to focus on some other things. And so tithing isn't all that Christianity ministry is about, but it isn't, it's not, not a part of it. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Uh, yeah, get filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, repent of your sins. That's absolutely important, yeah. But these other things are all part of it too. He's given us a salvation plan and a giving plan. Amen. And so all of these things are important. Uh, and so we don't need to do, neglect one at the sake of the other. Amen. And so uh, the Bible speaks of this right here in Scripture. And there are several New Testament Scriptures, uh, of course, that reference giving. And every New Testament example of giving, this is so important for those that say like giving and tithing is not mentioned in scripture here's the 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 fantastic or mind-blowing thing about giving mentioned in new testament scripture it goes above and beyond the tithe without falling short of it it's like beyond and so uh for lack of saying well i don't see the word tithe itself just mentioned everywhere the, 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 the principle of giving is in the New Testament and it is beyond even what the tithe requires of us, the giving that we see. Is everybody doing okay? I got time, so I'm marching on. Zach says it's good. So I, he, I got his head shake. That's all I need. No, I'm just joking. Amen. The Bible says in the Old Testament, we're gonna pair Old Testament and New Testament. The Bible says in the Old Testament that Abraham gave tithes of all unto Melchizedek. Melchizedek. He gave tithes of all to Melchizedek. You'll see that in Genesis. Melchizedek, the king of Salem. Amen. And even marching after a priesthood, the Bible says Melchizedek. When you go to Hebrews, and so you won't have this, Brother Zach, because I'm going on, okay? Hebrews chapter number 6 and verse number 20, though, if you can get that for me, New Testament Scripture says, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest, Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You see this mentioned more than once in the book of Hebrews that Jesus was made a high priest after the order, the pattern of Melchizedek forever, all right? And so Jesus is a high priest after that order, all right, of Melchizedek forever. So the order of Melchizedek's priesthood 
was going to last forever through Jesus Christ, right? He died, he rose again, it's eternal. So he has, his high priesthood is after now because he's a part of this order of Melchizedek. He's, it's a eternal priesthood, eternal priesthood. So when you read Hebrews 7 and verse number 3, and you can go there if you want, Brother Zach, but when you read Hebrews 7 and verse number 3, Melchizedek's order of priesthood was one, the Bible says then, that abideth a priest continually. There's no interruption, there's no stop, there's no conclusion to it. It goes on and on and on and on. And what this does, this contrasts the priesthood of the Levites like in the Old Testament. It contrasts that. And the priesthood of Aaron, the priesthood of his sons in the Old Testament. Because they came to a place where that ended, that fell off, the temple was no more, there no longer did sacrifices in the temple because Christ was the ultimate sacrifice that went in once, took care of all of that. They were a temporary line of men that will eventually dissipate but not the priest of Melchizedek it's an eternal order it lasts forever and ever so the principle is is that Abraham gave tithes of all not necessarily unto a man like uh, 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 Melchizedek but he gave it unto God through Melchizedek I tell you when you give to the church you're not giving to first apostolic church you're giving to God you're not given to Pastor McGee. You're given to God, all right? And so whenever Abraham tithed, he tithed through Melchizedek unto God. But Melchizedek, even the Old Testament, as we learn from the New, is an eternal order. It does not stop. It does not end, all right? And so he gives that unto an eternal order. Abraham gave unto an eternal order. And what that does is, since he tithed unto eternal order, that sets in place that tithing this is an eternal practice. You give it unto an eternal order, you're tied to eternal order, then it's an eternal practice because that eternal order doesn't have a stopping place, a pause where it ceases, it continues. And so what was started in Abraham continues in us. We are still giving to, tithing to an eternal order. And you give to where you receive from. <laughs> you give to where you receive from. If God is, and he is, the possessor of heaven and earth, then everything you receive must come from him. And so then whenever you give, you give to where you receive from. And if God delivered Abraham's enemies in the Old Testament into his hands, then Abraham turned around and he received from God because he got his victory from God. He turns around and he ties and he gives to where he received from. Therefore, he gave tithes of all, the Bible says, unto God through, an eternal order of Melchizedek which was the eternal priesthood that continues even through Jesus Christ in the New Testament according to Hebrews so as we give giving is an eternal principle tithing is an eternal principle because it's attached to and given to an eternal order Someone, is everybody with me amen there's no stopping place for it <clears throat> there's starting places for it, but there's no stopping place for it. Remember, beyond our tithe, of course, is free will offerings. Yet according to Malachi, we can be square on our tithe, yet we could still rob God in our neglect of offerings. He said, wherein have you robbed me? In your tithes and 
your offerings. And so, uh, you know, you, you may be good in one, but need to engage it. You might be good in offerings, but you need to tithe. You might be good in tithing, but you need to give offerings. To be lacking either in God's words and eyes, not mine, we rob God. We rob God of sacrifice and worship. And so our giving is not one giving more than the other. No, our giving is all proportionally the same. 10% for you is 10% for me. That's proportional. It's not amounts. I know the end result of the amount is based upon what your income is, but it's equal sacrifice. It's 10% of your livelihood, 10% of your livelihood. Whether one's is $300 a week or the other is $100,000 a week, it's 10%. It's equal. Huh? It's equal. So it's equal sacrifice for the poor, if you want to call it that, or for the rich. It's equal sacrifice. And free will offerings should be proportional as well according to our livelihood. Is everybody doing all right? Amen. Deuteronomy 16, verse 10. And thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with a tribute of a freewill offering of thine hand, which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God, according as the Lord thy... Note that word, according. According as the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. Verse 17. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing. Of the Lord thy God which he hath given thee. In many respects as we give our offerings. We are given a testimony of how good God's been to us. Amen. That's the reason why it was mandatory. Like for the feast of Passover. The feast of Tabernacles. And uh, the, the feast of Pentecost. That those males that were. It was demanded that they come before the Lord. The other demand upon them was that they do not would not was not supposed to come empty-handed all three of those particular festivals intersected with a harvest one was barley harvest one was wheat harvest they all intersected with a harvest time and so when they came to the house of the Lord during that festival it had been harvest time and so they said don't come empty-handed because what they would come with was what a portion of their harvest and you know what they were indicating by what they were bringing this is how good God's been to me this harvest season. This right here. And he says, if you appear before the Lord empty-handed, you know the statement that you're making? God's not been good to me. God's not watched over my field. God's not given no, no, God's not given no produce unto me. He says, so we give according as the Lord hath blessed us. We give according as the Lord hath blessed us. I oftentimes says, and listen, sometimes if the Lord is increasing you, he might be increasing you for the purpose of being a blessing somewhere else beyond yourself. Amen. Good time whenever those raises come is a good time to increase giving. Amen. Well, Glory. Randy Alcord said, said, some say we'll take this gradually. We're starting with 5%. He said, but that's like saying, I used to rob six convenience stores a year. This year, by his grace, I'm only going to rob three. He said, the point is not to rob God less. It's not to rob God at all. I know that's stout. It's not my words. 
just the words of someone that wrote the treasure principle from a biblical premise. The old saying is, and used to be, God doesn't look at, God doesn't look at just what we give. He also looks at what we keep. Haggai chapter number one and verse number nine and nine through 11, brother Zach, and I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. You look for much and lo, it came to little. When you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house that is waste. And ye run every man into his own house. Therefore, the heaven over you has stayed from dew, and the earth has stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon the men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. Listen. It really doesn't come down to we can't afford to give. Brother McGee, you don't know me. I don't know you. You don't live my life. I don't. I don't. I did evangelize. You wasn't with me either. And I got stories about how God provided. Sometimes people can't afford to give because they're not giving. Because there is a blessing in giving. If we pay what God requires of us to God first, it incurs the blessing of God on our lives than to help pay for the other obligations that we have to men. When we take care of God, God helps us take care of our obligations to men. Now, let me just say this. We are to, to be good stewards. So I, it's so bad these days you got to kind of back up and feel like you got to justify almost everything you say. Because on the same token, you can't be some, and I say this delicately, you can't be some idiot with your finances. Pay your tithes and expect God to pick up the tab when you're just a bad steward. You can't just shake your, you know, your Bible in the air and your fist at God. God, I paid my tithes. Now take care of my, my, my boat payment, my house payment, my three-car payments, my credit card that's over $75,000. No. That's not he's not blessing you issue. That is you need to get some temperance in the area of finances. That's a whole nother issue. Okay. So just in case... Well, Brother McGee, God don't take care of me. Well, maybe we need to maybe we need to have a financial counseling seminar. But when we rob God to pay men, then we rob ourselves of God's blessing. That's attached to giving. It's a vicious cycle. Then that's a cycle hard to break. If you're always paying men and robbing God, then you keep the blessing off your life. So then you lose some of the things that you would have in order to take care of the other things. And it's a vicious cycle. And it's hard for people to take the faith step to break the cycle and start giving and trusting. And at the same time, I would put that with that, become a better steward of the money you do have. Right? Like not spending more than you bring in. 
and taking care, you know, go through what you need to if debt snowballs and other things to get things paid off. And as you get those things paid off, the things you was paying on there, take that money and start paying it towards something else, then looking at it as free money to spend. Right? Everybody understand, right? That's good money management. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Stand with me. Man, I'm so close to ending. Someone right now is probably saying, just get it over with. Let me just get it over. Just get it over. <laughs> You're giving more than your tithe of time on this subject. So I'm just giving Just get it over with. But this is important, folks. It really is. It's for all things concerning the kingdom. It's uh, in, nothing can, in this world can do anything without money. I mean, to have a church, to have an organization, anything that's going to, it, it requires that just to operate, you know, lights on, things. If there's certain things you like around here, I mean, if you like it when we have functions and we have bounce houses and there's food and all that, that all takes money. If you walk in the back and you like all that, that takes money. What they're doing, it all takes money. I, I would love to think that there's some just donor out there that's underwriting everything that we do around here, but that's not the way it goes. It all takes money. It really does. And, but whenever you invest in that, that's a, you're a part of that. You're a part of that. Everything that takes place, you're a part of that. And it's always great to be a part of something, amen, like that. And it's not that we go around saying, yeah, I, I gave so I'm part of it. No. There's just a, like I said, it's not like you ever gave and walked away and said, boy, that was a horrible idea, you know. Or I feel horrible over doing that. You know, really, no. There's a sense of just accomplishment and having invested in something. And with this, it is eternal, inve eternal investments. Eternal investments. Please remember tonight, yes, Brother Seals is going to be here. Yes, Brother Fred. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.